Hey, Mary, finish my sentence. When two vowels go a-walkin'. Oh, no. Please don't make me say the first one does the talking. We don't want anyone else to say that after this episode as well. This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hey, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram. Hi, I'm Mary Sagafi. I'm a reading tutor and a former special education teacher. I have taught elementary grade, all elementary grades, and I have Orton-Gillingham training. And I've been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for over 10 years now. I love talking all things teaching, and I believe that humor goes a long way when asking students and teachers to do hard things. I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you. Okay, so before the episode, we researched um, how often does the old when two vowels go walking, the first one does the talking rule actually work? Do you want to know how much it is? Tell me. It's 45%. Ugh, 45%. So we've got to teach the students a different way because that old rule just doesn't help them that much when they're decoding. So today we're going to be talking about good old-fashioned vowel teams. And vowel teams are um, a syllable pattern that is actually pretty easy to spot and pretty easy to understand, at least in theory, because there are two or more vowels that are together um, that make one sound. But the reality is that there are actually many, many vowel teams, and often a vowel team can make more than one sound. And most sounds have more than one vowel team spelling. So all of these factors make it for a tricky and ongoing learning process. Yes. I wanted to just shout out that I got that great information from um, my esteemed colleague, who I wish was my colleague, Emily Gibbons, um, is the founder of The Literacy Nest, and she has really fantastic information for teachers. So she has a blog, and I'm going to kind of reference it throughout this episode, um, of the top 10 tips for teaching vowel teams, because she is just so great at wording everything. But vowel teams, again, are really pretty easy to spot when you are um, dividing syllables and words, and you see two or more vowels together. Um, sometimes it's vowels, and also sometimes it could be the letter Y or W. We're not going to get too fancy about that. If we see that there are, is a combination of letters, they're going to, with vowels, we're going to call it a vowel team. Yeah, I just say the consonants that sometimes want to join the vowels team. Yep. Oh, I love that. So that it's really a team. It, it, yes. Oh, that's a great concept. Shannon, you have to teach everybody how you introduce vowel teams to your okay. kids. Uh, before the episode, I actually shared something that Mary didn't even know. Usually it's the other way around. Um, so a couple years ago, I just started teaching vowel teams the same way all the time. And I told the students, because it's a team, they're teaming up, but only one of the vowels gets to say a sound. So either the first letter wins or the second letter wins, or if they can't come to an agreement about which letter wins, then they 
make a compromise and decide to make a new sound. So in EA, the vowel team EA, obviously the E wins because we almost always say EA with the long E sound. Um, or in AI, the A wins. But um, in the case of AU, they can't decide. It's not the A and it's not the U that wins. So they make a new sound, aw. And I will actually have the students act it out. They'll put a little necklace on with a letter card and they'll both have linked arms because they have one sound. But then they talk it out about which one wins and what would the word be if the second letter, What would, how would we say the word if the second letter um got the sound or how will we say the word if the first letter got the sound or if neither of them sound right then we know that they need to make the new sound and we just act it all out and the the vowel will look at the winner will say okay you know i'm the winner i get to say the sound the other one said all right you know guys how great is that how amazing can you just imagine all these little second graders faces thinking oh they're just buddies they're just teams and they're finding a compromise in their sound it is genius i don't know why i couldn't have thought of this myself props to you and so each vowel team that i introduce week by week um we just continue that conversation and students will bring me words that they find in their independent reading or their guided reading say oh look i noticed this vowel team the second vowel actually won or whatever. Oh, I'm so in love with that concept. I, I do. I really love it. And I think it kind of like takes away the how confusing and difficult it can really be if you just sort of like relate it to how the kids um, are already interacting. So, well, as we say, sharing is caring and beg, bar, steal and teaching. So that's you're right. welcome to it. Everybody can use that. Oh, I love it. Um, I when I start teaching and I'm sure you do too I always start with the common vowel teams um, that have the really clear spelling generalizations so um, AI and AY both make the long A sound um, and uh, they have a predictable pattern use AY is used at the end of a syllable AI is used within the middle of a syllable and so that's usually how I first start teaching Um, and then we move on to EE and then um, later on, we teach the EA. So, you know, the whole there's a progression chart that you probably follow within your classroom to teach all of these. But um, I want to give you a little bit of a word of caution. If you are teaching these too quickly spaced together with vowel teams that sound too closely alike, um, it's, it's definitely going to start to confuse your kids. And they're going to sub out. And all of a sudden, every sound that has a long E is going to start using the EE pattern. They're going to totally throw their magic E out the window rule. And their open syllable, they're going to... Open syllable is going to get lost. Pretty soon, they're going to, you're going to have to re, um, reintroduce the, the patterns that you had done previously. So make sure that you sort of space them out, continuously review. And they need to be developmentally ready, really, for vowel teams. So previously we've talked about short vowels, mm-hmm. long vowels, our controlled vowels, where you're putting three separate sounds for each vowel letter. And that's a pretty hard concept for students to get, especially struggling readers, that, okay, I've got to, I've got to decide through my little bank of sounds which sound to use for that vowel. And once you get into vowel teams, you start adding a lot more sounds to those vowels. By the time you get through all the O vowel teams, you've got seven sounds for the letter O. Mm, and the same goes with the letter A um, has eight sounds. 
letter I gets a little tricky because we get to throw in the I G H. Yes. <laughs> and that that for some reason when you start throwing consonants in the vowel team mix, which they are in the vowel team mix, let's just all be clear. Those are letters that were working as part of the team um, to to make a long sound. Yeah. It can get pretty tricky. But literacy research literacy experts recognize that vowel teams are at a more sophisticated reading level so um, I use the words their way a lot and they get to vowel teams when they're at the next stage of development which is called the within word stage where they're not just sound by sound letters but they're actually starting to um, look at the inside of a word and have more advanced decoding, have more advanced um, phonetic spelling where they can handle the memory of more spelling patterns to remember and more phonograms and things like that. If you all think back to one of our beginning episodes when we were talking about beginning of the year assessments, we talked about the words their way um, spelling inventory. And there's a checklist that um, teachers can do throughout the year. And when you first give the initial assessment, um, it asks them to spell CVC words, words that have short vowels, and then it gets a little more complicated, and there's an open vowel word in there. Then there's also another word that's an R-control vowel, Mm -hmm. and then as it gets more advanced, probably into numbers, I think it's about seven. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's close to number seven or number eight. That's when they start to um, give them words that would include vowel teams to see if they have that within word vowel team knowledge. But even when you're scoring it, it still looks at when you give those more advanced words did they get the initial consonant right and the final consonant right but then just kind of get it wonky in the middle or are they not even getting the beginning and ending letters right and so then you know you would need to back up to the earlier developmental stage right so that that test sort of taught me what to look for agreed yeah me too that was that was sort of where I was able to like actually hit the ground running and be like oh now I can see where my student is and what they are actually able um to process right at this point yes what they can process I like that phrase Mm -hmm. yeah um I want to go back to this other piece because um especially with me I know that I'm the like more technical one and I start to use you know kind of the teacher jargon and I do want to be able to teach our listeners about the teacher jargon um but Emily Gibbons, I'm going to reference her again. I'm going to read exactly what she says because I think this is great. She says, "Um, it may not be helpful for struggling learners to be able to differentiate between vowel digraphs and vowel diphthongs. And the definitions are a bit fuzzy even for adults. And for the purposes of reading and writing, I find it most helpful to talk about vowel teams, um, about the kinds of sounds that they make as all long sounds or short sounds or something else. So, for example, it's, it's helpful for a child to know that the O-I says oi, as in boil, and that sound is neither long nor short. Um, and I think that when we're talking about these vowel teams, that part is really important. Don't get too bogged down, especially when you're working with young learners, um, about the nitty-gritty definitions of between a digraph and a diphthong. Um, and digraphs if we want to get into the technicality of it. A digraph is um, when a vowel has a new sound that it makes, so the A and the U together are vowel digraphs, and that makes the ah sound. A diphthong can um, 
be vowels that have a new sound as well that may include other letters. Okay, the way I understood diphthong, and this, I don't know if this is just some buried piece of knowledge from grad school or something, but that it was like produced in two parts of your mouth, like oi. Oh, interesting. I don't know where I got that from. Interesting. And I only re- always remember that oi is a diphthong, and I couldn't tell you another diphthong besides oi. Oh, interesting. Is it our diphthong? Um, so the, or is that a digraph? That's a technical. I'll have to get back to you on it. <laughs> As I'm looking at the clock, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to answer that at this point. Forgive me all, but if you do have the answer and you want to post it in our comments section, I'm always thrilled to hear. The bottom line is the students don't need to know those terms. So Emily Gibbons suggests calling it something else. I'm using that in quotation marks. Mm -hmm. Something else sound that's not a long or short. I use the phrase, it's a new sound. I like it too. I I think that's great. And so the students will, that is enough for them. They just can know that, okay, these vowels can make a new sound, and so I need to try out some new sounds or learn some new sounds. I think the opposite um, piece of that, when you're teaching these um, sounds and you get multiple sounds that make the same, uh, excuse me, multiple patterns that make the same sound, um, EE and EA, then you get to introduce the homophones. And homophones um, are really critical for students to start to understand and take ownership in their spelling and understand that H-E-R-E is different from H-E-A-R. Okay, here you're M-E-E-T and M-E-A-T. And I love I love that example. That's always my number one um, homophone example because um, I always talk to my students about how you don't need to eat your friends. You want to meet your friends. E-A-T is in the word M-E-A-T, meet. Um, and you eat meat. You meet your friends. You don't eat them. So we have a good laugh about stuff like that. I think that's important, too, is to introduce humor, especially with homophones and visual pictures. I'm sure your students really benefit from the visual pictures. Yes, I have visual pictures, and I use a lot of word lists. When I, we just start, like, long, you know, like little bookmark dictionaries that and, you know, stapled lists and stuff of the patterns so that they can start to build a word bank mm-hmm. for all the vowel teams. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the art project that you were working on. I love this story. Okay. So I also, with each uh, vowel team I introduce, I do an art project. None are originally created by me. I find all the ideas on Pinterest, like most of us do. And so this week I'm actually teaching the long E um, vowel patterns, vowel teams for E, E, and E, A. And so we made uh, tree leaves and... The students had their word list that they're working on for the week, and they used construction paper to make a tree trunk and to make a bunch of leaves. And if their words had EE, then they had to write it on the tree trunk, and if the words had EA, they had to write it on the leaves. And one of the students in my second lowest reading group just took to this, and he just got it. You never know with what project is going to really get through to the student, but he finished his first in the class and he's normally one of the last ones to finish but he finished first and he really understood oh I wrote this word on the tree because it has the ee letters and I wrote this word on the leaf because it has the ea he said can I go help other people I said sure 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 and so he was walking around the class and he even helped the most advanced readers put together their tree leaves and um 
we had a reading tutor come a reading tutor come to class today and he showed off his tree leaf project to her and was explaining the rule to her and what I was telling the students is when I test you on these words at the end of the week or maybe next week I want you to remember this experience because we are not just remembering the rule but we actually did this with our hands and with our um, eyes and with you know with our ears we're putting it all together multi-sensory like you said perfect and so when i call out the word green and you were trying to remember to spell the word green i want you to remember did you write green on the tree trunk or did you write it on the leaf perfect and then we will also do the looks right activity that i talked about the last time um with pat cunningham where we'll write green both ways we'll Mm -hmm. write it with the ee and we'll write it with the ea and see which one looks right and which one we recognize um from print no, I, I think that's perfect. And it also brings up the practice piece, too. Yes. So, um, well, and, and additionally, here's the other piece. First of all, I have to go back to the little boy who is so proud of himself and helping everyone. That Those are the teaching moments I live for. I really do. I, I just, I swell with pride when I think of things like that. Um, secondly, um, when you finished your art activity, it wasn't just a, hey, we're done. It's a... This, there's reason behind um, us doing this. I, I don't have to point to, you know, my, um, I, I don't have to point to my wall that has the standard that's labeled on the wall that says, this is what we have to do. But you can really make meaning out of it and say, hey, this is really important. You need to use metacognition, which I've talked about before. Think about why we do the things that we do and think about why the word is spelled this way and how we've already applied it. I think that part's really important. And then after that, it's the practice piece. And um, students need a lot of practice with vowel teams. Um, We gave some um, activities that we found online previously in our last episode. um, And in this episode, I just want to kind of gently touch on it. I used um, Lexia as an online program, which um, gave a lot of um, repetitive skills that the kids needed practice with and, and repeated practice turns. Um, and I know that you love boom decks um, to keep practicing for your kids, too. Are there any other um, things off the top of your head that you can think of that you use with your kids that are electronically based? Um, I can't think of an electronic one right now, but as we keep talking, I might come up with one. But I did remember another print one that I use, mm-hmm. um, and it's also by Pat Cunningham, who came up with Making Words and the Looks Right activities. Um, she does brand name phonics. Oh, yeah. And so, um, for example, like the short eye, she'll have Slim Jim, or for the R controlled, she'll have Walmart. And then she'll have the students, um, you'll have that environmental print um, available as like the header card mm-hmm. and then you explicitly read some words and spell some words with the students and then you have them apply some unknown words um, oh. to read and spell and add to the list I love that because it also taps into all their background knowledge and hey I know I've seen Slim Jim at the store before yeah. and then they're going to see it again and they'll still relate it back to and she's laid it all out for you like it's already available so she has basically every single vowel team every single vowel sound you can think of she's come up with the brand name that has it and she's already got the words collected so that you know what to dictate and you know what to write on cards awesome. and to have the students do and it only takes like five or ten minutes at What's a time her name again Pat Cunningham of the Pat Cunningham of course right um 
I guess what I really liked that just sparked my memory is when I'm working with students, especially with um, my struggling readers, when I'm doing vowel teams, I'm only teaching one vowel team at a time. And I think that this part is really important. Um, I am teaching a lot of different skills within that one vowel team, but for my students, I may be just giving them a spelling test that has that just ee sound in it. Um, and my first word that the students are dictating might be tree. And um, you know, there might be a group of students that I'm working with as well, and some can just be focusing on the EE pattern, but I still might have some kids in my class, and I'm sure you would in your regular education class, who are still working on the consonant letter sounds or the consonant blend sounds. So they're still working on the T and the R or the TR together. Yes. Um, and so I think that it's really important to be able to differentiate to your kids, and there really is nothing wrong with just teaching one vowel pattern at a time. You could still work dictation in. You can do dictation sentences, dictation phrases that include that same um, pattern. And um, that's a really great way to differentiate your spelling, especially in a regular ed classroom. I'm teaching both the EE and the A, like I said, this week because I've got to expose my students to the regular ed curriculum, you know. But I'm giving credit for um, for my struggling readers if they are because I'm still looking to see if they're getting those consonant sounds correct and the blends and the digraphs and everything, the consonant digraphs. And so um, even if they don't necessarily get the vowel team correct, they're going to get partial credit and I'm watching their development to see are they getting better at their consonants each time. I think it's really important. Shannon is really talented at recognizing how to grade her students in different ways um, and tap into where their strengths are. And I'll just say, like, vowel teams as a whole group teacher, we are on the vowel teams unit for a good two to three months in my classroom. And then we revisit them when we do vowel team syllables. So I first just do vowel teams in one-syllable words, and then we revisit them um, in around March or April when we do vowel team syllables. And we'll spend a, a good number of weeks on them again because they're just so prevalent and that really is where um, more advanced spelling skills and decoding skills come in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and don't forget that uh, even if you're not on that specific unit, it's still really important to still notice those vowel teams and vowels as a unit together. So, um, you know, just informally, you can still address it throughout your teaching and say, oh, I spy a vowel team that makes this sound um, and, and draw your students' attention to that. Don't forget, too, that there's all kinds of resources that are available. There are some, um, you know, uh, color coding um, things that you can do. You can use letter tiles and magnets that um, already have those word patterns together. Just make sure that you're constantly teaching your students that the vowel teams work together as a unit. Okay, in the show notes, I'm going to share uh, my playlist of recommended YouTube videos about vowel teams, and we're going to close out the episode with one of my favorites, and it's from Electric Company, and you might recognize the voice because he plays Chidi on The Good Place Now, which is one of my favorite shows, but this is back in the day when he was on Electric Company. Turns out that speak is spelled with an A in it. 
E-E makes the E sound in sheep. But if you want to make the same E sound in speak, you have to use the E-A. And so I said, well, how will I know which one to use, Miss Cornbinder? And she said that she would teach us these one word at a time. And so I sat in my seat without a peep, and I learned sleet and sleep and feet and fleet and weed and need and all the words that use E-E. And then I learned speak and read and mean and lean and clean and bean and all the words that use E-A. And that just made me want to scream. In fact, I think I will. Okay, so I show those videos. Um, Electric Company has one for almost every vowel team, but you can hear the frustration in his voice because of the different spelling patterns and trying to remember which one and that he has to learn them all. And we'll go back to that video clip and talk about how sometimes we get frustrated with vowel teams, but that we'll eventually learn them and you just have to just add it one word at a time and the pattern and list at a time. Oh, I absolutely love it. Thank you all for listening to the Reading Teachers Lounge podcast. We would like to thank Jordan Kempker for providing the original music and Allison Zane of Fruit Creative for the artwork. If you could please write us a review on iTunes, that would help more teachers find us. And also, if you find our information valuable, please tell a fellow teacher or a parent to come check us out at our website, www.readingteacherslounge.com.